All right, uh, MTPT Top 5 at 5. Top 5 NHL sweaters from the 90s. What are yours? Send us a text, 609-403-0973. I love the one that somebody texted in a little earlier today. He even gave a name and number of the guy he has on that jersey. So text your favorite NHL jersey from the 90s. 609-403-0973. We'll read them off at the end. See if any of them match our list. Peter? Michael, how are you? Happy Monday to you. Let's uh, P- let's get PT, it off. I don't get a happy Monday? Yeah. I'm confused. Well, he said Peter, so I said Michael. Under you too, buddy. Sorry. That's, uh, oh, it's okay. Not to Thanks for coming you. on. <laughs> Hunter, Michael, how are you guys? There we oh, go. Fantastic. By the way, Kevin Durso has checked in on this topic, by the way. Played along with MGPT and Broads in the MGPT Top 5 at 5. My top five 90s NHL jerseys. He gives us his list, so we'll read them off at the end of this as well. And he also has some honorable mentions. I love how he included the pictures, by the way, as well. All right, Peter. He he really went to town on it. He was very thorough. (laughs) Well, I'm just as thorough as him. I know what website he was using. I have the same. I have those pictures up in front of me. Peter, number five. All right, my number five is the 96 Phoenix Coyote jerseys. This is their inaugural season, and uh, this is more off of the page of like, whoa, that's out there, right? I mean, they weren't going for normal colors. They went with desert colors of red, brown, green, white, black, you know? I mean, everybody else around hockey was like, that's it? It kind of looked like you went through the desert having too much peyote, you know? I mean... (laughs) Now, those are widely regarded by many as the best hockey jerseys ever I've seen. Like, if you go to websites that rank hockey jerseys or jerseys in general, like, even if you go to the Arizona um, websites, like Arizona radio stations, they love those jerseys out there. It's almost like when jerseys are so ugly, they get respected more down the road. Yeah. In fact, I read... That if the if the hockey season comes back, that they're going to wear those the rest of the way. Oh yeah, they were they were lampooned in the beginning, but I mean now it's high demand on eBay if they come out and you know anything that has Aztec culture to it too. The the coyote had half a goalie mask. He had two feathers in his hair to to give a little tip of the cap to the Native American culture that's in Arizona. I mean they, they had a lot of trippy stuff going on in that jersey. So ninety six coyotes. That's my number five. My number five is the 93-94 Washington Capitals, the red one. You got the blue and white stripes. The T in Capitals is the hockey stick with the puck. The thing that I love about this the most, the stars. You got the stars over the shoulders and then on the pants, going down the blue pan. I just think that uh, it pops, the red and the blue, and it's also clean. So I'm going to go with the good old Capitals jerseys from 93-94. I have them as an honorable mention. I love the stars where they're placed across the chest, but I also love them going down the pant leg. Like when you're watching the game, you don't recognize sometimes the pant has some detail in it as well. And I don't know that I've ever seen the Flyers with any detail in their pant. They always just wear a black pant, right? Well, we can always talk yeah, about the year they wore the Cooper Alls. Ah, they took it right from me. You're gonna—I was gonna say, except for the time they actually wore the most hideous thing in hockey. All right, mine are the uh, '96 to '99 Chicago Blackhawks alternate black jerseys. These things are badass, man. I don't typically go for the black jersey uh, just to have the black jersey, but these 
are awesome with the Blackhawk crest on the front, the white numeral on the back. They got the red stripe down the arm. It goes nice and sleek with the black pan. It's just a classic look from their regular jerseys, which are very classic. And then the black jersey very subtly looks uh, pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of the alternate third jersey typically, but these Blackhawk ones were really cool. I remember, um, you know, at about that time, now they didn't ever have the alternate. They brought that one in and it was like, whoa, uh, that one was kind of right around the Jordan Bull eras when they went to the black ones as well. So the 96 to 99 team wore that black alternate. And then they kind of uh, tweaked it a little bit uh, from 99 to 2007, where the outline of the crest was taken off. But I like the original one with the outline just a little bit better. MG, I like what you're, where your head's at there. And, and uh, I wanted to test Hunter a little bit on some nostalgia. Hunter, I wanted to see if you recognize this song. Gil, you're not allowed to answer. Honor, I I totally know the tone, but I can't put it to anything. But I I definitely know the tone. Gil, the brass bonanza. From which team? The Hartford Whalers theme song. That's my number four. That was their goal song in ninety one ninety two. Primarily the green on the road and the white at home, but it's green on road, white at home. I like the green ones better. The jerseys featured the NHL seventy fifth patch. For the league's 75th anniversary, the sleeve stripes went back to being straight. They were on an angle for a couple seasons. Third color was blue, so you had green, white, and blue. On the home jersey, the whale tail of the W was blue. On the road, green, it was completely white. But that Hartford Whalers logo is just iconic to me. I love the song. You know, a couple years ago, MG and Hunter, I was cleaning out stuff out of my dad's place where I grew up. And I found some brand new, unworn NHL hats, including a corduroy whaler's hat and our salesman at the radio station beth roach was like i put a picture of it on facebook and she says can i have the whaler's one heck yeah she was pleased as punch to have a corduroy whaler's hat so that hartford whaler's jersey from 91 92 now they changed in 93 got a lot more blue in there and they put some gray in those are no good 91 92 hartford whaler's that's number four on my list my number four is the Tampa Bay Lightning from 98-99. This is like the Marty St. Louis era, and I think that's why I emotionally uh, tie myself to these jerseys because I absolutely loved watching him play. I love the font. It's not a standard font. It has a little bit uh. of some uniqueness to it. The light, the lightning bolt down the pants, absolutely phenomenal. See, I, I don't like the font. I like their jerseys. I thought about them, but I remember I was like, I didn't like their funky font. And then the next year in 01, they changed the font to a more blocked font, but it was out of the 90s. They had such a 90s font in the 90s. Damn them. <laughs> uh, number four for me. Uh, you guys should appreciate this. This is the pants here, uh, Hunter. The, oh, yeah. Uh, 88 to 91. So they wore them in right at the end of the 80s into the 90s uh, before they essentially went away, which was the Minnesota North Stars with the green, uh, and then they had the yellow kind of goldish with the black and white stripes, and then they had the black pants with the three stars down the side of the pant leg. Oh, man, those things were great. The N was great with the star at the top with the N pointing with the little arrow pointing up towards the star for the North Stars. Uh, those Minnesota North Stars jerseys were tremendous. And then they switched over 
to a more Dallas Stars look. And the end of the Minnesota run, they had a very Dallas Stars look to them. I didn't like them nearly as much as the North Star uh, look for them. The North Star was a big part of the crest. The ones after that, they kind of got away from the North Star in the logo, and they just went with stars on the front. So give me the ones before that with the green. The green with the – I love the pants, though. The pant with the with the stars down the leg. Boom. That's the Minnesota North Stars. 88 to 91, they wore them. Yeah, where the North Stars used to play when they knocked down the Met. That was the building they played in. They put the Mall of America in its place, so – who knew? And I like that you provided me a segue to my number three because you're talking Minnesota North Stars, don't you know? And I'm talking Dallas Stars for to my number three. I liked the 97 Dallas Stars jersey. Now, you talked earlier about a third jersey or an alternate jersey. This happens a couple times as you look through the different jerseys. But here's a case where they introduced a third jersey in 97 and it expanded the star logo over the entire body of the jersey. That design was so well received, the next season, that third jersey was the main sweater. I mean, while wearing these jerseys too, the stars had levels of success that were never thought possible. That's the sweaters they had to win two President's Trophies, their first ever Stanley Cup in 99. Now, by 2008, see, Reebok killed all the fun. When Reebok came in and made these Reebok Edge uniforms, a bunch of teams had to go away and do uniform overhauls and never got the same cool jerseys. But I like the Dallas Stars, the road jerseys. They were black with the green star. And as you said, Gil, it didn't have the arrow, but the point of the star was the A in the word stars in the front outlined in gold. The name and number on the back were in white. They have to bring these babies back. Dallas Stars jerseys, 97 that first inaugural, they were the alternate jersey. That jersey, that's my number three. Those jerseys are awful. <laughs> no way. I feel like you're going to hate my next one, Gil, because it just screams everything you're against. The 97-98 Boston Bruins, the yellow jerseys with just the bear head as the center logo, and they got a little design on the bottom as well. What are your initial thoughts? I can kind of see you laughing a little bit. I don't like – I mean, the uh, no, I don't the, – the bottom of them, it's like the, the old Vancouver Grizzly look. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. With the black, it's just going to look smooth and simple. Once you get to the black pants, you can rock the yellow socks, which makes it pop a little bit more. I'm all about it. I love the bear logo. And listen, with the Bruins, it's an original 16. You normally like to keep with the traditional look. But I think that's almost why I enjoy it more, because I know how much that logo means. The B, the standard Bruins logo, for them to pop something in there like this. How do you do? Yeah, I, I like the Bruins jerseys, uh, but then I mean they were they're like you said they're original. The '90s versions of them, I mean they just were okay. I'm not like in love with them, but those I'm out on. The yellow <laughs> with surprised. the bear on the with the Bruin on the front. Not a not a huge fan of those bad boys. However, pulling up another team that no longer uh, exists. By the way, yeah, um, they are what? Where are we at? Number three? Yes. Uh, yeah. Number three. three it's the 91 through 95 versions of the Quebec Nordiques. Now, that is what I was going to guess out of you, by the way. Yes. Now, they had a version right before this, and it's funny. They had the same jersey. They just spaced out some of the logos uh, down the bottom a little bit. They bought the them a Florida little. Lee. Yeah, yeah, the Florida Lee. They bought them a little closer. That was all that was different. Uh, but 
with the Quebec Nordique, the logo, uh, the red stick right there. I mean, those things are just so clear. I love the white ones, the white home ones. I guess they would be the road ones, actually. Um, <laughs> the, the white ones were just so clean with the red Nordique with the little N and the hockey stick is the other side of the N right there. Boom. Got to bring back the Quebec Nordiques, APT. I had them in my uh, honorable mention, and, and I'm like you, by the way, MG. I, I think when it's a white uniform, that primarily to me is the home jersey and the darks are away. I'm still of that old school thinking. I know that the league has since flipped and white is now the road color, but I can't retrain 30 years of watching hockey in my brain, so I'm not doing it. All right, uh, good poll. Uh, I'll talk about the Nordiques again a little bit in my honorable mentions, but my number two team is who the Nordiques became, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. In 95, their inaugural jersey had a bunch of features that set it apart from all the other teams at the time. I mean, their striping pattern was a double bar instead of a single unconventional zigzagging that went from the wrist to wrist, and that kind of gave it a look of like mountains or mountain peaks. It had a mix of burgundy and blue and white and silver and black accents. And, of course, the centerpiece was the puck leading the avalanche of snow around the large A to form a C. So you had C-A, Colorado Avalanche, made out of that snow. And, of course, the most fun was the abominable snowman, the Yeti, right? You had snowman, the footprints of Bigfoot, basically, or the, you know, whatever you want to call the guy, on the shoulders. And much like the fate of the Dallas Stars jersey I talked about earlier, once that Reebok edge came in, the updated jersey just dropped the zigzag. It simplified everything. And, you know, I think back to in 95, specifically the 95 inaugural jersey the Avalanche wore. I was in Scott's Club. I was putting Avalanche highlights every night in my show on KDUH-TV trying to introduce hockey to Western Nebraska. So 95 to 98, I was seeing those jerseys all the time. That's my number two. My number two is the 98-99 L.A. Kings. They were black and purple with the purple socks. I like I like loud. It needs to be loud. It needs to pop. It needs to be different. And I think the purple. They also, I, I wish I could use, like, uh, those yellow. Remember those full-on yellow jerseys? Yeah. Like the full, legit yeah. purple ones? Those Wait, were obnoxious, your, but I love them. Did you say the 98-99? Yeah, these were the, yeah, these are yeah. the ones I like more. But the ones that say Los Angeles across the bottom. Yeah, they have uh, a crest. Yeah, the, they ha- if they didn't have the Los Angeles written across the bottom. Well, the material back then it was it was so unique too because the the silver in the crest would like shine. It was like a, a weird silver that would shine. It wasn't just like a gray. So I, I think those little details like that is is another reason why I was all about it. The 95-96. do you remember who the King's original owner was? No. Jack Kent Cook, the guy that owned the Washington Redskins. So he had money to burn. And when he started the team, he said, well, the Lakers are pretty successful. We'll just use their colors. And then when Bruce McNall came in and bought the team, and, of course, Wayne Gretzky came along, that's when they did the flip and said, all right, we're no longer going to be purple and gold. We need a new identity. Oh, yeah, those colors Al Davis uses look pretty good. Silver and black. Well, there was a Gretzky year, 95-96, where they wore these awful, awful jerseys that had, like, they had the purple and gold crest up on the left shoulder and then they had like oh those are horrendous awful awful all right uh what, what number are we at here peter you're two. on two Gil. so peter you're not gonna like this one because you've already said them but it's the same team i have but a different jersey 
Oh. And I'm going with the Brass Bonanzas, 92 to 97. I love the blue and the gray oh, like of the, the Hartford yeah. Whaler. I mean, those blues, that blue is just a nice midnight blue. The nice green accentuated beautifully for the team's final five years. They wore this redesign. The primary color was now a, like a navy midnight blue. The green uh, was the accent color. They threw a little silver in there. And the shape of their logo still stayed the same with that W with the whale's tail. Oh, I could go for a nice whale's tail pale ale thinking about it. <laughs> I didn't like the blue, but they did get to wear blue pants with it instead of green pants. So I guess it was easier to find. I mean, there's more, more blue pants out there than green. I can yeah, see you that. Went with the Pat for Beak years. I went with uh, somebody actually texted in. They had a whaler's jersey, number 11, Kevin Deneen. Oh, I like that back in the day. Absolutely. The, the old whale jerseys are great. All right, listen, my number one from the 90s, guys. We're doing top five NHL jerseys from the 90s. Mine is a no-brainer, and I was just in this arena uh, to see that the you know influence of uh, Disney is still there, and that's the Mighty Ducks, the, the jerseys that they first wore there. The ones in 93, you know, they used Mighty Ducks. When do you see a hockey team copy a movie instead of the other way around. I mean, they called them the Mighty Ducks. The jersey and the color scheme of purple, jade, silver, and white were all set to match the, the movie, you know, I mean, and, and it, the duck-shaped goalie mask immediately brings back Charlie Conway's Triple Deke, the Bash Brothers, Goldberg, the hatred for all things Iceland. I mean, come on, it all matches together. So to me, and, and the fact that they're not around anymore, of course, you know, in 06, Disney sold the Ducks, then they couldn't be the Mighty Ducks anymore. Plus, they couldn't have that that duck mask anymore and that that to me just is iconic my favorite jersey of the 90s now the one thing that's interesting as i wrap up by number one is that the first team that didn't have mighty in the team name that's the one that won the stanley cup in 07 well how about that yeah i don't like the way they went with the the black and orange now but my number one is also the ducks quack quack Quack. I mean, that movie is just iconic to people in my childhood that played hockey. I mean, that's what we watched every single day on the bus. The purple and the green and the way it's all slanted and the purple pants with the helmet as well. I loved it. Now, in the movie, it's funny. They were they were a prep school team or no, they were they were Team USA in the second one. And then in the third period, they switched their entire uniforms to the Mighty Ducks mid game. And that's what gave them the power to be able to actually win. How about that? Which I feel like is totally not even uh, allowed. But anyway, this is just I can't so iconic. When you were riding the bus. They weren't. I can't believe they weren't showing you Youngblood or Slapshot. Youngblood has nudity and Slapshot, come on. <laughs> well, it's it's in rotation. I mean, it's Miracle, Mighty Ducks, Slapshot. I mean, it's just a big rotation of what movies you watch on the bus going to hockey games. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this this logo is just so iconic. I think of Paul Correa, Timu Solania, just fantastic. This is it right here. All right, number one, you talk about classic. Yeah, you're going to give us the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs white jersey. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> oh, I mean, these babies are the best in sports possibly. Which year? What year? 92 to 97. There's just not a lot of loudness. The lines at the bottom, very thin. You got the blue Maple Leaf right in the center of the chest there. I mean, it's just the cleanest, coolest, best 
hockey sweater I could find. No, it's fantastic, dude. I'm not lying. I love it. The white, it's clean, it's crisp. It's so simple, but that's what makes it so funny. It's literally a white jersey with two blue lines on it. It's so clean. So <laughs> it is clean. clean. It is clean. With the blue pant. I mean, I like that color blue. It's not too midnight blue. It's not too navy blue. It's not like royal blue. It's right in the middle of them all. Toronto, 92. For a guy that doesn't like the Yankees jerseys, it cracks me up that you love those iconic Toronto I don't like pinstripes. Yeah, that's true. We should get a pinstripe Uh, hockey jersey. Yeah, PT, what do you got here, buddy? I had the Winnipeg Jets, the home whites from 90-91 with the J as the hockey stick. The Quebec Nordique, you mentioned. Of course, there's no S. When you say Nordique in French-Canadian or the French-speaking people, and that that name Nordique literally transfers to or means people of the north. So that's where they got their name from. I loved, I actually loved the New Jersey Devils uniforms that were the road jerseys that were red and green. I believe they're the ones that Wayne Gretzky called effing Mickey Mouse uniforms. Uh, I like them because they remind me of Christmas. And then, and then they went to black instead of green starting in 93, and it's not the same. In fact, they played a stadium series, the Devils did, and they used green again. They did like an outdoor game and used green again. That's how iconic the green is with old-school fans. I like the Blues of 95, 96. They had some red in their color scheme, and now that third jersey, it looked like a Southwest Airlines plane. That was that was no good. But the home jersey was nice, and diagonal striping and things like that. And we talked about the Kings when they went from purple and gold, Lakers colors, to silver and black, and Gretzky showed up in 88, went to silver to black, and you know, Gil, the one fun fact is that 75th anniversary year, remember I talked about that about on another jersey earlier? The Kings, they changed their trim on their letters and numbers, and the home jerseys, you, you couldn't read them. Think that pissed off a few hockey announcers, including one that lives locally? <laughs> All right. How about that? I like them. I like them. Hunter? Yeah, so for my honorable mentions, the one that I start off with, uh, I feel like it's somewhat of a hot take, but it's the 92-93 black Ottawa Senators jerseys where they had the actual logo of the Senator on there with a little bit of gold. Now, if I remember correctly, that 2004 brawl with the Flyers, they might have wore the white version of this jersey. You're, ob- yes, they definitely did. Obviously, some things changed to it, but... um. But that's the logo that I'm talking about. That 2004 brawl against the Flyers. That was uh, one interesting game. But I like those jerseys. I love the Montreal Canadiens from 94 and 95. The red ones with the blue pants. I think that pops. I love the 96-97 Blackhawks black jersey as well. And uh, yeah, it's where I put my honorable mentions. Uh, I got the 92-93 Ottawa Senators as well. The uh, black version. You know, the next year, 93-95, for those two years, they had the black version but the numerals on the back were white. The other ones were red. I like the red number better than uh, the white one. And also, the uh, Calgary Flames, ninety. Uh, they wore them from 81 to 94 before they finally flipped those bad boys. The old um, the C with the burning flame off the back of the C. They have a throwback version of that now, which is really clean. Right now they do. Let me see. Uh, in... Now, they were a funky one at the end of 98 to 99. They really got crazy with the uniforms. They had crisscrossing lines going everywhere, but they had this black version with like a mythical donkey or something with flames coming out of its nose. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Awful. I don't, I don't, uh, which one do they have now that you're talking about? I just sent you it on a uh, little message here. Let's see. 
Oh, those, what the, no, the, well, the other ones, the one with that says Calgary across the front, those are on fire. Yeah, they have those oh. ones too. I, I love, it's like a, the orange is almost like a red orange, which makes the white and the, and the yellow just pop. I love the, the, the black sea with the fire coming off the sea. Those are fantastic. The Ottawa Senators, and then the ones you mentioned too, uh, the Washington Capitals. Uh, where they had the stars across the top, and they had the stars going down the. Pa- Not enough teams utilized a pant leg. <laughs> yeah, the Flyers are very, very simple with that. Yeah, nobody put Flyers jerseys on their list, except for Kevin Durso. Of course he did. He probably had five different versions of the Flyers jersey. Durso <laughs> went with the uh, number five, ninety six, ninety nine Flyers, the ninety two, ninety five Canucks. The 95, I hate those Canucks ones. 99 Colorado Avalanche, the 99 Dallas Stars, and the 96 to 98 Phoenix Coyotes was uh, his. And then his honorable mentions, he threw in there uh, the LA Kings, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, the Hartford Whalers, and the Washington Capitals. That was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Uh, our top five jerseys from the 90s. Hans, by far the best. Matt, equipment manager in the history of sports. Go Ducks. That's on the uh, next board. We got a couple about the uh, New Jersey Devils. Green, not black. Uh, also, Hartford Whalers, number 11, Kevin Deneen. Good one there. Uh, the Hartford Whalers, somebody just texted in a, 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 a Hartford Whaler blue jersey with that uh, Stanley Cup patch on it, uh, the 75 years. So good stuff out there. All right, we got some breaking news in Major League Baseball, Peter. So we got to let you go. Okay, buddy. Had good. Uh, it was fun, Hunter. It was fun, Gil. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, MGPT Top 5 at 5 here on the Sports Bash. So, Hunter, real quick, before we get to MKB, let's get the news from Jeff Passan. What do we know? Yeah, he is uh, reporting that the potential season for Major League Baseball and Visions would run somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 regular season games, sources told ESPN. Wow. The exact number is being considered, but the aim would be a return in July. It would be less than half of what the players proposed with the season length. So is this another scenario where MLB kind of threw out an offer where there's no chance because that amount of games means the players are not going to get paid that much? 50 games. I mean, they originally proposed 82, and then they said, you you want a 114? We gave you 82. How's 50? This is insanity is what it is. Wow. We'll have to get more details on that when we come back. More details on the NBA's return with Michael Kasky-Blomain from CBS Sports. He's number one sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right. Taking it to the top. And Michael Kasky-Blomain's with us here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Sports Bash. Today is something... Uh, a day to try something a little different, a little out of the ordinary. Watch live sports on your phone and bet on the game you're watching. Korean baseball, soccer in Belarus, professional darts, table tennis. You might be surprised at how much you enjoy watching the game and betting on the game at PlaySugarHouse.com. Go to place, uh, go to the sports book and click streaming live to see what's on. Try something new today. Have a little fun. You ever sit there? Like, this is pretty crazy. I have to play Sugar House app. I, you know, I use that. Watching darts, just sitting there watching them. It's unbelievable. I mean, they drill whatever. And you know, like, obviously, the bullseye isn't what you're going for. You're going for triple 20s. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And never in a million years did I feel like I'd be winning money off guys shooting darts. Well, lucky you. Yeah. PlaySugarHouse.com. Playable in New Jersey only. 
Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Oh, I might have one if I'm betting darts, right? Well, that's the only thing that's on. Uh, Michael Kasky Blomain joins us. Update on the NBA. We heard uh, on Friday that it looks pretty good. There is some concern among NBA owners that the fact that a 22-team return-to-play format would result in a number of small market teams not playing any games for nine months or more. So, Michael, what is the thought of how this NBA season will look when it does, in fact, return, which they're saying at the end of July? Yeah, that, that's a great point, Mike. But unfortunately, no matter what they decide to do, there's not going to be any perfect solution. And while, you know, obviously the small markets don't want to lose out on the money, they also have concerns about going back to action to play for, you know, what amounts to basically meaningless games at this point in the season for all the teams that are, you know, obviously already eliminated from playoff contention. Um, you know, given that it's, it's already, uh, you know, a tough time to, to play all the, the different factors going on in terms of the virus and the safety of the players and uh, logistical issues. So, you know, they obviously they don't, they don't want to play games that they're just going to play that aren't going toward the postseason. So, you know, there has to be some sort of compromise. Obviously, they were kicking around the idea of just bringing the 16 playoff teams that, had, you know, were already in the playoff positioning when the season was suspended. I think the 22 team uh, number is kind of, you know, a happy medium. They're obviously not bringing all 30, but they are expanding it to include teams beyond the teams that are just currently in playoff positioning, which should help. You know, league-wide revenue, obviously, it's 22 is better than 16 in terms of the amount of games and the, and the teams. And, you know, they'll, they'll probably have to go from there. But, again, it's you know, there's no such thing as a perfect solution to this situation. If they bring back teams based off of a certain amount of games back from the eighth seed, it seems like the Wizards would be the only team from the east compared to a couple of teams from the west. Do you think that that will be a problem at all? It, it's, it's kind of weird, I guess, Brody, for the lack of a better word, on surface value to see, um, you know, so many teams from one conference going in when you, there's only nine from the East. But, you know, if you actually take a step back and look at the standings and the way things are shaken out, you can see that, you know, in the East, it's, it's pretty much set in stone. The Wizards are five and a half games back from the eight seed. So even them, it's kind of a stretch to have a chance to make that spot. Where in the West, it's a little bit more you know, a little bit more compact as is the case. There's three teams right outside of the playoff spot that are only three and a half games back, meaning the, the Blazers, Pelicans, and Kings. And then the, the Spurs and the Suns are also, you know, right in that clump. So, you know, it, it's weird at, at face value, but if you actually look at the standings, it does make, you know, some sense, and it'll help the league get, you know, more of the teams in there than rather just the 16 teams that they're, that they're working with now. Now, I know Josh Harris is one of the owners who is enthusiastic about having as many teams as possible in a bubble environment. And, you know, the Atlanta Hawks uh, owner as well, he, he said, look, we want to play even if we don't have a path to the postseason. Are you concerned at all that this could be a sticking point or one way or another they're finishing the season out? Yeah, I think one way or another, Mike, they're, they're going to figure something out because at the end of the day, you know, the league would want the revenue sharing that comes with the teams that are playing rather than, you know, completely forfeiting the season. And at that way, you lose, you know, all the potential money that would come in from the TV revenue and, and you know, whatever whatever other income you would get there. So I think ultimately it's an issue right now that, that is, you know, they're going back and forth upon in terms of the number of teams and that some of these, you know, the smaller markets do want the opportunity to play. But if it came down to, you know, holding out and, and fighting over this or getting back to some semblance of play and allowing the league to, to finish off the season and, and crown a champion and then try to, you know, get back to some semblance of normalcy moving forward after this season, I think that's ultimately 
uh, you know, how it's going to come out. They're going to be voting later this week, obviously. And I think it's definitely looking like it's going to be, you know, that 22 team format taking place in Orlando at the end of July. Now, Michael, one of the reports that I read was that the Eastern conference teams don't seem very enthusiastic about a 16 team seating. They would rather just do East West. Uh, do we have any uh, idea uh, on what uh, the playoff format might look like? Not exactly, Mike. You know, I do think that they're ultimately going to stick with the the regular East-West format. Uh, I think that there's, like you said, there's a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference that don't want to see that format, uh, you know, changed for obvious reasons in right. terms of, you know, the quality of, you know, the teams and how many good teams are in the West. And there's so many other factors that they're trying to, you know, juggle and balance and figure out the answers to logistically and other things at this point that I think keeping, you know, some semblance of normalcy in terms of how playoffs have been done in the past uh, is kind of, I don't want to say a priority, but it's definitely something I think the league would like to do. You know, there's, it's how they've always been done. And there's already talk about this, you know, whatever happens with this playoffs, having a, you know, an asterisk next to it, for lack of a better word, just because it's such a different situation. And I think the more you tinker with it, the more people are going to look at it as potentially, you know, a different championship. Whereas if you keep the same, uh, you know, the same formula that you've done in the past, there's at least that sense of normalcy. So I think, you know, different things could happen, but I do think ultimately they'll just have the one through eight in, in both conferences and, and go from there. The one thing that I keep thinking about is if the NBA playoffs or the finals goes into the fall and the NFL returns and they plan to have fans in the stadium, is it possible to think that fans can be in Orlando at any point? I mean, it's it'll be weird to think the NBA finals is going on with no fans locked down in Orlando, but the NFL has full stadiums with all these people cheering. Yeah, that's a great point, Brody. But, but from what I've heard, I don't think fans are in the mix uh, for this NBA season at all. Again, like, you know, that could change. But from the people I've talked to, I think the NBA is content with, you know, finishing out the season in its entirety in Orlando all the way through to the finals and basically having that, you know, the bubble term that they've been using for, uh, you know, being as tight as possible in terms of just the the team people that need to be there and you know the close family members of players and maybe selected media members and that's about it uh i think that they've come to that um you know they've accepted basically that they're taking a loss obviously in terms of all the ticket revenue and having people in the arena so you know it would be weird like you said to see preseason nfl games with fans and nba finals games without fans but i think it's just the way that the timing was and the league is trying to kind of be a leader in terms of getting back into action and, and provide the, you know, the masses with the entertainment. And I think adding fans at that point is just another uh, obstacle, another thing they have to figure out. And I think that they've, you know, kind of accepted at this point that this season is, is a wash in terms of putting fans in the seats and they're hopeful that, you know, they can finish and crown a champion. And then once next season starts, they can get back to, you know, the normalcy in terms of fans, even if the number's limited, uh, you know, they'll try to get back to the home arenas and get, getting the home fans back in the mix. Michael Kasky Blomain, CBS Sports covers the Sixers and the NBA here on the Sports Bash. And we look at uh, July 31st. Um, I guess at that stage, if you're going to bring people back July 31st and play out the season, you're anticipating starting the next season after or around Christmas, correct? Yeah, that's that's the plan. So they would start um, at that point. My question would then be, the follow-up would be, is that the precursor of that being the new start date 
for the NBA. We'd heard it tossed around by the Hawks ownership group, uh, Tony Ressler, who basically suggested, why are we competing with the NFL in October and November? We should start on Christmas and just move it to then. So do you think that this could actually be the start of a new NBA calendar? I think they'll use it as a trial run, Mike. Absolutely. You know, like you said, it's something that's been tossed around before and then this situation presented itself and will give the league the opportunity to try it out for, you know, due to the circumstances. I don't know if it's necessarily something that they'll immediately adapt after this season because there is, you know, they have the idea that they could get the schedule back on track if, you know, say they start around Christmas and the next season runs through late July and they kind of shift things, uh, you know, back toward the normal schedule. It would take a season or two, but they're think, thinking by, you know, a year or two down the road, the schedule could potentially be back on track in terms of what it's been recently. But if, you know, they, they start at Christmas and they like the way the schedule, uh, you know, shakes out the way the ratings work compared to, you know, like you said, not having to compete directly with the, the beginning uh, tough part of the NFL season. If they think that it works out, then per- perhaps they'll, you know, keep it moving forward. But I think definitely it's going to be kind of a trial run, a uh, trial and error, and then they're going to go, you know, go from there. No no decisions at this point have been made, right. you know, and, and set in stone. Everything is just kind of still up in the air, obviously. At the real Mike KB on Twitter, give him a follow there to keep up on the NBA news. Uh, July thirty first, uh, we're still got two months to go potentially until we see basketball. So uh, the ramp up period would be what about three weeks? You think uh, training camps and then some sort of uh, regular season play in type of tournament? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, that's what it sounded like, Mike. The training camp period would start for, like you said, a period of probably two to three weeks. Some amount of regular season games between five and ten is, uh, you know, how, how I've heard it described. And then, you know, depending on what they do to de- determine the final playoff spots, whether it's a playing tournament or whatever, once they hit the actual postseason, they want that to be, uh, you know, as normal as possible in terms of seven game series all the way through, um, like it has been in the past. All right, uh, we'll keep our eye on the NBA. We see baseball with a new proposal. Hockey should be back soon. Hopefully everything just comes back at the same time when we have sports euphoria this summer and fall. Michael Kasky, blow me at the Real Mike KB. Thanks, pal. That would be nice, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great Absolutely. To you. And, of course, uh, he, like August, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda hotline. And, of course, Michael will be with us uh, all NBA playoffs. I'm looking forward to the way they try to wedge all these things in. Get a little, I don't know how they're going to do it. The, the TV networks are going to really have to figure this out. Heck, I thought to myself, you know, what if the Sixers are in a playoff game on the same day that the Eagles play? That's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. What if the Flyers are in a Stanley Cup final on the same day that the Sixers are in a playoff game and the Eagles are playing? Well, everybody knows you cancel everything when the Flyers are playing in the playoffs. Woo. <laughs> that was real good. I mean, that was just perfect. Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. When we come back, Rose has today's five. I had five different types of IPAs this weekend. Ooh. Five different types. Oh, I can dig it. I'm ready to go. Five, here we happen. Okay, here we go. Uh, I don't know We're what gonna... I said. Yeah, I, I don't know what you say a lot of the time. Here we but, go. Uh... <laughs> We're going to stick with uh, like a little barbecue theme, if you will. So, oh, I was on that grill like a crazy man last night. I bet you were. I, I just see you as a grillsman. Yeah, but I don't wear those white uh, New Balances with the blue end. 
Oh, yeah, that, yeah, you're out on the dad shoe? Yeah, I'm out on that. But last night I was doing a little salmon and a little mahi-mahi on the grill. Ooh, now do you wear, like, do you have an apron that says, like, Gil's the cook or, like, Gil's the chef or Chef Gil or something? No. No hat? No nothing? Nah, I just... You know, um, you've been to my house. We have a yeah. band. We, you know, we, I, my girls are like, we're going to pull it out to the driveway. So I got like, I'm shooting hoops. I got That's re- okay. I can s- totally see you hitting a couple corner threes and then flipping the burger. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm shooting some, you know, shooting some hoops and then I flip over everything with the tongue. All right. I see that. All right. I, I totally see it right out. Right played out right now. Yeah. So um, all right, I let's like start to, off here. My girlfriend posted this thing the other day. Uh, I guess it was on Facebook. I, I don't It was like, you know. Uh, my boyfriend says, um, oh, where the heck was it? It was like, you know, hey, you do the sides. You prepare all the food. You you um, get the meat ready, blah, 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 and give me my tongs, and I'll cook. That's me. That, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not wrong with that, though, right? I'll marinate everything. I'll do the side. I'm like, yeah, I'm the one burning my face over the grill, man. I'm sweating. Sure. Hot I respect that, that, though. I respect that. Someone's got to step up. All right, so. A salt and vinegar chip or sour cream and onion at the barbecue? Oh, not it. Sour cream and onion always, all the time, every time. I think it's a great chip, but here, this kind of goes into the next question. Pringles or Lay's, or do you like the Ruffles? I mean, do you like the... Pringles? They're not even in the conversation when I'm going to Well, they're sour cream and onion Pringles. They're not bad, but they don't... No, I go with a great Lay's got to have the lines you got to have like the the ridges now i like the kettle cooked i don't Are mind you the kettle out on the kettle cooked no i'm not out but it's not my go to if i'm getting a chip i like a nice solid uh you know um i like the kinds that have like the frayed lines yeah 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 that's so the one thing that bothers me i think that's ruffles by the way is what you're going ruffles yeah ruffles the one thing that bothers me is when people go to a, a, a barbecue, a picnic, and they bring just the standard, traditional yellow bag of plain lace. Like, <laughs> you're telling me you have options out there, and you're bringing over the most basic, simple, plain lace? Get out of here. Go home. Yeah, the, the yellow, classic lace, they're, they're, they're flaky. They fall apart. No, they're out. You got to get the blue and white ruffles bag. If you're just bringing a classic regular chip now here's the problem you gotta bring almost a classic tri- uh, chip to a party because uh, some people are a little eh, about their chips see i'm anti i'd rather i would bring sour cream and onion sour cream and cheddar like two bags over just bringing the plain chip like i will never reach for the plain chip ever eh, i don't mind a plain chip but you know if you're going to a party you can't you, some people don't like the sour cream and onion I got the, there was a gentleman who brought a box of chips to us. These Zaps New Orleans kettle style voodoo potato chips. Whoa. These things are banging. Yeah. Now I put my chips in the hoagie and I squeeze the bread. So the hoagie's got the chips all crumbled in there. I never heard of this hoagie that you talk about. What do you mean? What do you call it? A sub? Submarine sandwich. Yeah. No, you do not call it a sub. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. It's a hoagie. That's funny. I worked at a place called Sacco Subs. It wasn't called Sacco Hoagies. They don't exist. People people... down there in that area say subs? Yeah, we would answer the phone and be like, you know, Sacco Subs. And someone would say, hey, can I get an Italian hoagie? We're like, yeah, you got the wrong number. No, you didn't. But let me ask you a serious question. 
Do you specifically just say subs or down there? Is it more of a something? Uh, I say hoagie here. There's no, the word hoagie doesn't exist here. Josh, can we get Josh on the call here? I need Josh. I don't really believe you. All right. Josh. It's a sub. What? The name of the, the establishments here. Dino subs, Sacco subs, Vic White subs. House subs, Vic subs. So where's the line in South Jersey where it goes from hoagie to subs? I don't know if there really is one. It's just I, I mean, know. here in Glassboro, it's nothing but hoagie. Yeah, that, that's why I don't know. Unless it is, and I'm the only one calling around going, hey, can I get a hoagie? Yeah, hoagie's out. Uh-oh, it's Broads again. Is someone going to tell him? Yeah, the, the the word hoagie's out. Hoagie's a weird word, too. Like, why would yeah. you want to eat a hoagie? Hoagie's like a, a cheap hoagie, like a Wawa hoagie. Yeah, go to Wawa, get a yeah, hoagie. go get a Wawa. Go want to get a real sandwich, go get a sub. Exactly. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's a hoagie. Anyway, you're going to the barbecue. Macaroni salad or potato salad? You know, I have this choice come up a lot. You go to certain places and it, that comes with it and they'll say potato. It depends on where I am because I like both. Okay. I like a good I like a good thick potato salad where the potatoes cut like you, you can still taste the potato. Yeah. I do, too. My mouth is just watering. I'm ready for some. I hope I go upstairs and there's some potato salad in the fridge. You know yeah, what I mean? Like there's good, not going to be I that. like a good macaroni salad, though. I like a good uh, coleslaw, too, by the dude, way. Dude, I love a good coleslaw. All right, chicken nuggets or chicken fingers? I feel like you're out on both. No, I like both. I mean, okay. depends on where I'm getting them from, but probably I go with nugget. Okay, and Gatorade or Powerade? Not close. Gatorade, way over Powerade. Yes, I don't like but there Powerade. is a good power. There's the purple Powerade that I can deal. I can deal with the Powerade. It's not like I'm anti. I like an icy blue Gatorade. Ooh, I have a great cool red Gatorade. Gatorade story, by the way. I'll have to share it with you sometime. Okay. That it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, those were five questions. And oh, then I didn't know. You kind of left was, me hanging I, on the red Gatorade. Story. I thought that, oh, I don't have enough time. I thought there was only four. Sorry, no. that was a good one today. Thank you. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Frank Close up with an update on this baseball. Andrew DeCheck goes in for football at four. Another MTPT top five at five. Stay safe, everybody. We're back. We'll do better tomorrow.